everybody. Welcome back to the Classics Podcast, Reclamation, an intervention in the current conversation around theater history, where we recenter and uplift the Black writers and storytellers of the American theater, both the celebrated and the forgotten. I'm Arminda Thomas, your substitute host for this episode, number five in our series exploring the life, work, and legacy of Alice Childress. In our last episode, we focused on the single production, Wedding Band, which was presented last spring at Theater for a New Audience. Today, we're going to expand our scope while filtering our lens and talk about directing Childress's works. Joining me for this conversation are four amazing, phenomenal directors. Nicole A. Watson, who is currently the Associate Artistic Director at the McCarter Theater. Jade King Carroll, who is the newly appointed Producing Artistic Director of the Chautauqua Theater Company and two familiar voices, Classics members Awoye Tempo and Dominique Ryder. So welcome to the podcast, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And especially welcome to Jade and Nicole. I think this is your first, uh, these are your first appearance here, and we are, we're so happy to welcome you to the Classics family. So we're going to talk about directing Childress. Jade, you directed Trouble in Mind at Two River Theater in 2014, which makes you, in this group, the senior children's director. And I wanted to put that out because everyone else that we're talking to, that we're talking about, um, directed readings in 2021. So I think that's that's an interesting juxtaposition because we we we've been talking about uh, this boom of children's. But I think it's important to to recognize that the work began before the boom. Now, I want to start actually talking about how you came to Childress. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, it First of all, it is a pleasure to be here and, and to meet you and to be in conversation. Always great to be in conversation with Away and Nicole um, and about Childress. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I you know, I don't remember when I first came to Childress. So I, I found Wedding Band probably in the library in college, honestly. Like, I don't remember how I came across it. Um, I just remember experiencing it and then being being hungry for more. And Trouble in Mind is one of my favorite plays. It's just was just one of my favorite plays. I was 33 when I directed that, and it felt like I had waited a lifetime already for someone to allow me into that play. Um, I can't believe it's it's been that long, but yeah, that was that was that was my first first way in, and and hungrily uh, directing it in 2014. And Nicole, can you tell us how did you come to meet Childress? Yeah, I, I feel similar. Like I'm not exactly sure. I suspect it was later in my life, actually. Um, but like, I feel like there's always for me for some authors. There's some authors like I. I can remember the exact person who said, go find this book, go read this play, go do this now. Um, for other writers, and I suspect it's this way with Childress, it's like a convergence. My mom uh, was a school librarian and my mom's the one who was always like uh, handing me the book reviews and the books, you know, that she really wanted me to read. And I still have the notepad that has like author equals, title equals. And so if I would read about somebody or hear about someone or someone would tell me about someone, I would have this running list 
And at some point that list in a book on my bookshelf would finally like meet up again, you know, like I'd be like, oh, I finally got that book. And so I see the book jacket of her plays and I don't remember when I bought it. I don't remember when someone told me to read it, but I do remember reading her plays later in my life when I started to, I guess, pursue and and read theater more diligently. You know, I was a history teacher for the first part of my adult life. So um, most of my, you know, coming to, to theater and then coming to Black women playwrights was was much later in my life. But the same sort of like hunger and desire and attraction that Jade articulated, you know, which was this sort of like, where have you been all my life? Where have you been? When can I do this? You know, oh, you know, that sort of feeling. Um, but I suspect probably because of my mom and my library brain, I was a kind of collector of the books, you know, and every once in a while that you know, book would already be on the shelf. And it was just a matter of um, myself and the bookshelf sort of catching up and then finally getting to do a reading. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating that a lot of, a lot of conversations when we talk to people, it's, they come to children's later in life. So I love Jade that you come fairly early. I mean, college is fairly early for us. What college were you at? Just curiosity. You know, I was at SUNY New Paltz. I went to a state school and, and and had a wonderful education. It provided, it allowed me to kind of be very active in in forming, you know, the New Paltz history players. I was the historian. And so active in producing plays and turning like an art gallery, we turned an art gallery into a black box. And that, and I started, I wanted to do Ma Rainey. My first, this might be when I found that we didn't have enough black students in my my program to cast it. And then I ended up doing The Death of Bessie Smith by um, Edward Albee and going to the music department even for that to, to find, they like cast a drummer and uh, to find the cast. And it might've been in that, that beginning search to find the stories that I wanted to tell that I came across children's. There was like one multiculturalism class, multiculturalism in the theater. You got Hansberry and you got a little August Wilson and, and it was a great class in Marisol, but that was it. Right. So and you had to go to the shelves and find more. Oh, well, yeah. I know we talked about you coming to Wedding Band, but I don't remember if we've talked about you meeting Childress in this podcast. I feel like similarly to Jade and Nicole, I can't quite pinpoint the first moment, but I do feel like um, just in conversation in theater rooms like her name was kind of just in the air and I did have the great pleasure of seeing Jade's production of Trouble in Mind in 2014 and that was the first children's production I ever saw which was amazing it was so incredibly good well obviously because it's Jade did Brenda Presley play uh, that cast it was McKinley Belcher Amira Van um Stephen Sky Bell, Jonathan David Martin, yes. Roger Robinson, Brenda Presley. That cast was so much fun to dig into Childress with. And just the way that play is written with the generational, the generations of theater makers and, you know, truth, that line from that play, truth, that's, that's, that's kind of encapsulates it. Exactly. And, how, and how did it come to Two River? 
I cannot honestly answer that. I know that I have been in conversations with a couple of theaters because OSF was like Trouble in Mine or Sign in Sydney Brewstein's Window. And I was like, Trouble in Mine. And, and that didn't pan out. Um, and I, so I was talking about it with a couple of different theaters. And what was the experience? How many, how many people in your cast knew Alice Childress? Well, Roger Robinson, of course, knew Alice Childress. Right. <laughs> um, uh, which was great. Both Brenda Presley, who was amazing, and, and Roger were familiar with Childress. Roger had done readings of it before, so he was really excited. Actually, I did it again. I was like, I shot this play. I did it again at Playmakers Rep, uh, like a year or two later. I just love this play so much. And um, Roger called me and said, so I hear you're doing our play again. I assume I'll be doing my part. So I got to do it twice with, with Roger and Kathy Perkins did the lights for me down in North Carolina. The legacy that comes with doing a Childress confirms kind of why we do theater, why I do theater, I should say. That, that convening of artists that her plays, that she writes the people into her plays and then the subject matter and the um, just detailed, honest truth yeah, love that. And you got to do in person, like real live on a stage, Childress twice. Which, which is- was great because the um, it was really fulfilling to do it twice. And especially I had the same scenic designer, too. I should and Karen Perry. I had the same scenic designer, the same costume designer, the same Sheldon. Um, and it went from a proscenium to a thrust. So it was real, and the thrust I actually preferred. It was kind of like, where do you put the table? And we're always met with our best selves when we're challenged. So that was keeping it truthful and not changing anything just to change it, but but moving it further, bringing it right in to the audience in the South was great. And with the students. So the generational learning was even further exemplified. And Nicole, you did a reading of Florence. We did a, a Zoom filmed reading of Florence for Baltimore Center Stage. They have um, a bridge series where they explore classic texts, which, you know, I'm sure prior to 2021, (laughs) they were in person. So they said, you know, we still want to do this. And we had always planned to do Florence and we'd like to turn it into a, a, a recording on Zoom and, you know, are you free to do it? And, you know, I was like, of course. So we did, you know, we spent about a, a week, you know, um, clicking the link and working on the play. And then I think it was on Baltimore Center Stage's website, perhaps for a week or two. I don't remember how long. And so people had access to it. And I think um, they curated um uh, a conversation around it, which so it was part of their own uh, series around how they discuss and uh, bring classical texts back into, uh, you know, the present moment. So it was really exciting to have some time with that with that play and the children's. Um, and you and Florence was already on the on the schedule. Was that a pre pandemic schedule for Florence? As far as I know, it was. I think it was like our plan was to do this. Our plan is still to do this rather than not do it. Can we move it to Zoom? And can you do this on Zoom? And I was like, gladly. <laughs> so I had, um, I think it was uh, all Baltimore actors. And with any 
great script, getting to dig into a play, that's like the best part, you know? And so that first read and the sort of like, wow, oh my God, you know, this children's is writing, you know, like that, that sort of awe that I think you get after getting to hear it for the first time, getting to be with a group of people that you've never worked with before. And you all are, uh, holding, handling uh, something so beautiful and smart and so like, like invaluable, right? Yeah. And Dominique, I want to bring you into this conversation. You directed a reading of Wine in the Wilderness for right. Roundabout. Um, and do you, do you know how that came about? Yeah, Runabout had a new program for early career directors and a director's group to go along with their fellowship. And I was in it. And some of the, the one of the points of it was that they were bringing in established directors to talk to more early career directors. There were a lot of meetings where there were, you know, older directors who were talking about Shakespeare and who were talking about doing classic plays and doing Arthur Miller all that stuff that people care about who aren't me. And um, one of the sort of big points that I kept like trying to pursue is like, I, for me, right, the point, like the, I'm not trying to make in the way some people are trying to make Shakespeare relevant to the now. I don't have to make uh, Alice Childress relevant to the now. She's already there. Um, the biggest sort of hurdle sometimes is just like, how do you make jive fit into the mouths of contemporary, like of black actors who are alive right now, right? And the answer is you leave it alone and it works and it does what it needs to do sometimes. And so every other week I would just be pestering roundabout about Alice Childress in those meetings one way or another. And then the shutdown happens, the refocus project happens and they ask me to direct Juan de Lourdes. And what was the refocus project? The Refocus Project was, um, is, I should say, an initiative by Roundabout to spotlight works by marginalized writers throughout history. The year I did it, it was Black American writers. I believe last year or this year was Latine writers from not Spain. Awoye, you also did Trouble in Mind in 2021. Um, can you talk about how that how that came to be and with ACT in San Francisco? Once COVID shut everything down, ACT was trying to figure out what programming they would do and what plays they would share. And so they had a series of, I think, three online readings. And so they reached out because I had just done another play in the Bay Area when everything shut down. So I was kind of working in that area with that community. And so they reached out and said, hey, would you direct this um, reading of Trouble in Mind? But hilariously, actually, I don't know how much they knew about classics and about all the work that we had been doing um, around Trouble in Mind. I mean, it was a dramaturg and we got on the phone and we're telling them all about <laughs> All, all the all the children's thinking um, that we've been doing, which was really, really exciting. Similar to Nicole, we had like four days to rehearse and every day we're just like, we this, this play is so extraordinary. We just want more and more time to be inside it. I feel like when you're inside of a children's play, you're just like, oh my gosh, there's more in, there's just, there's so much more in here. And you just want to keep exploding it open to see what you can find in every single moment. 
And it was actually really fun too, because we actually also had a scenic designer. So Jason Artisan West was our scenic designer for the reading also. And we just had such a fantastic cast. But I think definitely the thing that we left with was, like Jade is saying about directing Trouble of Mind multiple times, like you just want to do it more. You feel like you just want more. It's so, every moment is so good. It was a totally thrilling experience. And I don't know, Arminda, you, you can probably speak to that experience as well. In full transparency, I also dramaturged the roundabout reading and and Wine in the Wilderness and Wedding Band. I'm just fascinated by the approaches to directing that happen. Aloy uh, has a very strong scenic uh, sensibility because that is very important to an Oweye temple story. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think uh, Dominique, I'm not going to characterize your director, but it, it feels very much more about the give and the take and the back and the forth. Right. So it, it, it's really, it's really heavily focused on who's, who's, who's saying what and how they're, and how it's going on. Did we see art? one in the wilderness yeah that was the only thing we saw and the thing about that is it just was a reading so it's like how does how does the language sound and Oye, you experienced this with wedding man right how does the language sound to someone who's never heard this play before how do you help them enter in and in a, in a way that it's as easy as possible yeah i want to open it up for anybody to answer as it as it comes to them as you were working on it what was the thing that was most surprising to you the first thing that popped in my mind was that not everybody at the table knew some of the things that I took for granted, not just Childress, but like Emmett Till. Right. Like, but in my mind, that was really surprising. I take it for granted. I love history and I, and we're all in theater and it's all, I, especially for the, for the people of color, it's our history. And I bring a lot of images and kind of text and, to, especially for period places. I like to kind of cover the walls with to place us where we are. I, we, I started this with Ruben, going to the boards and kind of pulling something. So going to the wall and pulling a quote or something. Yeah. The context of the plays was a surprise. There's a quote early on in the, the Childress. I deal with the people I know best, which are ordinary people. That first quote in the book, she, she celebrates the ordinary people. I think that, that is an experience as, as a dramaturg that, I try not to be surprised by, but it is, it, it, but it can be surprising how much history you take for granted and how, how much you feel like you've had like a common education. Like Even the, the inequalities in our theater industry being mm -hmm. a surprise or, 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 or the, is it really that bad? Like some of those conversations as well as that. We're all sensitive in this. And is that really what's that? Those kind of like, oh, the meta of doing trouble in mine was, yeah. I have a very strong memory of when I saw, I will bring it back to Childress, but when I saw Brendan Jacob Jenkins appropriate and there's the line in the play, who is Emmett Till? And the, from the audience, the shock in the audience I was with that night at that statement, mm -hmm. right? Like there was a kind of like collective horror that you didn't know that was and that's why that line was so like oh my goodness but the reminder that that that's a real statement right <laughs> you know and and what do we know and what don't we know and and I think like the 
isn't the point of all of this to share something, right? Like, are there things that I think we should all know? Yes. But also then isn't this the case for why these plays mm -hmm. by necessity have, must have a place in the world so that we can all start to know some things that we don't know. And then the other plays that people write will become a knowledge base for me so I can know some things that I don't know, right? So that I don't remain <laughs> someone who doesn't know things or learn things about the world, you know, because of varying education system, circumstances, whatever that kept me from not knowing something you know, but Childress, Childress, um, something surprising. In Florence, the, it is a white northerner who kind of shows herself, you know, especially doing it in the moment we were doing it. It's that conversation about the white liberal. It's not okay to just be like, all bad things happen in the South. <laughs> all bad ideas, all racism happens in the South, right? And so the thing that was sort of exciting about the way in which Chill just dropped that woman into the play and when she did, right? Because it, the play that woman is not the center of the play, right? So I also want to be clear. Um, the white Northern woman is not at all the center of that play or the focus of the play, but the way she enters it, she makes her own sort of Northern ideals known in the world. And that was something that I think for, for the cast sort of was not what they were expecting, right? Like when she walked in the room, I think the expectation was that she was going to be a Southern white woman with her Southern white assumptions. And that was going to be the, the conversation and the, the way the play was going to go. And so I think maybe the greatest surprise is that children defied all of our expectations <laughs> on what the play was going to do. Right, because the central the central conflict in, in Florence for our listeners is there's an, an older woman who is going up north her daughter has been trying to become an actress and the feeling is that they just can't keep supporting this she's not really doing um what she'd hoped to do and her sister the the siblings around would like her to stop would like her mom to go and bring her to her senses and bring her home and then she runs into this woman who is a performer and seems very sympathetic um but then turns out to also have a very limited idea of what this woman could be. Yeah. And that conversation spurs the mother to double down on her support for her daughter rather than wow. going to get her, which is a nice turn too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like the mother sees this woman's lack of imagination mm -hmm. for who her daughter can be in the world and for who Black people can be in the world. And basically is like, well, screw that. I'm not bringing my daughter back here to, to serve this limited view of her. And she writes her a letter and says, keep trying. Keep trying. Yes. Keep trying. Yeah. Dominique. Yeah. I think the, the way that in Wine in the Wilderness specifically, the way that Tommy, 
gets to defy the expectations of the, 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 not only the class expectations, but the geographic expectations of the people she comes in contact with, right? I think the thing about Childress that always surprises me as a Southerner is the way that she cares deeply about the South and the way that um, the sort of Northern expectations of what it means to be those people over there, what it means to, to be from this other sort of oftentimes backwards or like downtrodden place are not true. Um, and so in Wine in the Wilderness specifically, watching Tommy, this woman with this thick Southern accent, really be the person who is the, the holder of, of history, the holder of knowledge, the holder of things you cannot find in books was really exciting. And I think, you know, in some ways vindicating <laughs> because it reminds me so, I feel like since moving to the North, the sort of contempt for all things Southern and simultaneously, specifically Black Southern people um, really disturbs me. And so it's always so good to be in Childress's world because of how much she loves the South and Southern people. And that um, really means a lot to me. And Willie, um, the thing that's coming to mind actually is the humor. I think the thing that surprised me, especially working on First Trouble in Mind and then Wedding Band is just how funny Alice Childress is. She's hilarious. And there's just so many lines that she just pops in and you're like dying. I'm like thinking about Sheldon's line, like, you know, in Trouble in Mind, am, am I still whittling a stick? I don't know what you all feel because you all work on a lot of contemporary plays too. It's hard to write humor in that way. And it's so subtle and so hilarious. I just feel like she is, she's talking about so many profound things, but you know, she's got a great sense of humor. I so agree about the humor. It's, and, and that, like each act of that play kind of works differently. Mm. Um, so you've got like, and then you have the physical humor of actually staging that. I don't think I've ever had so much fun with the stage door, but I sent it to a friend. He was like, who's Alice? I haven't met Alice. He thought it was a new play. The contemporary aspect. He just read it. Was like, this is hilarious. Who wrote this? How have I met her? I was. I that that always stuck with me because it's because it does feel so contemporary. And can I just say very quick sidebar because Jade brought up her um, her dramaturgy. Jade's dramaturgy is like it's not a game. I just want to say this for all the directors out there who are trying to figure out how to root their actors in the world of the play. Jade comes comes with like color coded huge. Um, paper boards with just so many images like the she just fills the room with images and it's so masterful and beautiful and I love that actually all the Nicole Jade Dominique also everybody's a dramaturg and historian as well as a director which I think is kind of amazing it's probably thank you very much um I I I, I have great joy in it and I think it helps me as as, as well get deeper in. But it's probably what we all have in common and being so attracted to Childress too, besides it just being great theater, is that that the, all the dramaturgical layers and history. Uh, and I'm curious, like, like if you if you didn't do some of the dramaturgy and do all that deep dive, could you find the humor in the play? Like, could you under, like, would you be able to do that kind of deep digging or would you just read it and have a different read of the play if you didn't have the sort of historical understanding and dramaturgical context for 
when how she was writing you know I think that's why the the dramaturgy is so necessary looking at all those images and photos and everything it's my favorite part like it's so glorious you know well, I do love the humor like in Florence um the one of the first exchanges between the mother and the northern woman is about the fact that the the northern white woman's um brother is has written this novel um about the tragic mulatto and the mother is like listening to the ending and and then she's just like i mean she's horrified because the clearly the brother has not written a real <laughs> black woman <laughs> that's so obvious but she's like with anticipation she's like what's her shame what's the book about I'm so curious. This could be a good book, you know? And then when she hears what the book's about, you just sort of like, you can just see her like in my mind's eye, like just recede to be like, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> and the way in which you see her trying to break out of the social construct that says, I'm not allowed to tell you that book sounds like garbage, right? Mm -hmm. But I also have to tell you, no black person I know would do that that's not a real person <laughs> that too is a fiction all of this is a fiction you know and I think that's the like meta meta uh, sort of of that play is that like in it, it it's literally this black mother being like this is all a fiction this segregated train station this imagined tragic mulatto who feels bad about being black that she's not white like fiction 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 you know, and then just sit squarely in being like this black woman who's like the real thing is I'm gonna tell my daughter to to keep trying, you know? And I just I just love that, you know. And there's and it's and it's funny. And it's funny. I think one of the great things about that for me is that it's her first play that according to um, according to to her own statements and those who were around at the time, she wrote it kind of on the fly. And yet it has everything that she's going to keep talking about. It, everything is in there. It's the desire to break out of being boxed into somebody else's fiction. And also the ways we sometimes box one another in. So you have the sister who is trying to who is trying to box her sister into who is saying this is ridiculous for another reason and somehow hearing that outside voice gets the mother to go oh no not not me too i am not going to be the one who who does what the world is already doing and so she's already she's already talking about um our responsibility to one another in the face of what in in the face of the ways allyship or people who are who 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 think they're sympathetic aren't and so we are responsible for one another we are responsible not to do that to each other uh, that's my interpretation but i really I, but i think that it continues that it is something that she just keeps exploring and it's all there in florence which is not a long play but it is just it is just that deep already i just think that's so amazing about that piece and then she stood by it she walked the walk, you know, just the way she lived her life, that she was so protective of her personal life. She wrote about all these masks that we wore. That was that beautiful Dunbar poem. It's mm -hmm. like kind of encapsulates how she, but, but she didn't 
she was so aware of how everybody worked, maybe because her education was more um, found through curiosity. And she stood in defiance, forward defiance of, of being put in any of those boxes or made, made to wear any of those masks or be, you know, the art. And just the fact that she was the first at so many things. I mean, she's, she's obviously just a hero. She was an honest artist and a pioneer as a, as a Black woman and funny and just talented as an actress, as a writer, as a director, as a novelist. Uh, yeah. Okay. Didn't we do Wine in the Wilderness with like a reading? Oh, yes, you directed the reading for classics and in the initial classics reading series, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it was like Charles Weldon. Yeah. Uh, that's right. What also makes this super special is because Nicole and Jade, there were four in the first ever classics convening. We did four plays and Jade did one, Nicole did one, I did one, and Sorette did one. That was our quartet. So um, this is actually kind of amazing on that level too. And yes, Jade did Wine in the Wilderness. That's right. That's right. That's right. That was the, like a one day thing. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's a reunion. Yeah. I love a reunion. It's a classic reunion. Um, we're, we're about to wrap up. I'd just like to hear from each of you. Is there another children's piece you are anxious to direct or that you, that you want to spend some more time in or that you want to start exploring? I mean, all of them. <laughs> I just found Mojo and String at Drama Bookshop and I hadn't read them. I got so excited um, that, you know, I'll, I'll read that on the plane early next week, but all of them. Yeah, I just want to read more of them. You know, I, you have on your website all the plays she's written. So, you know, Sea Island song sounds quite beautiful. I would love to take a look at that. I, I think it's really amazing that um, you're providing a way for all of us to to encounter slash re-encounter, discuss, share, talk about these artists that like really mean a lot to us. I think it's really important. Yeah. And then we get to share it with everybody else. For me, uh, Trouble in Mind, obviously, I, I think that that play, uh, there are a lot of philosophical questions I think that play poses that I really want to, to spend a lot of time digging into. And then um, she has an unpublished play called A Host of Friends that for me is about the failures of the Rainbow Coalition post the uh, execution of Fred Hampton. And I really, uh, as someone who has a lot of questions about coalition politics, that play really excites me. Hmm. And I'll say, gosh, uh, all of them definitely, um, definitely excited and eager to jump into Trouble in Mind. But, you know, thing that Dominique and Armin and I've been chatting a lot about is these some of the plays that are um, either unpublished or were unfinished, or we don't have all the full materials for them, like Sea Island Song, Gullah, like Gold Through the Trees, you know. So we've been in a conversation, too, about how to take things that exist, but we're not complete. And what does it mean to um, create something new? And I think one of the beautiful things about Childress, and we, we found this on Wedding Band, is that there's actually a lot of times where sh she has talked a lot about things. Like we have a lot of interviews, we have a lot of writings. So even though she was not 
physically in the room on wedding band. Like I really felt like we had her energy and her presence and her voice in the room with us. So I'm excited to think about these other plays that were, were unfinished and how we can continue to bring her voice into the process as we think about what it can be. That's really exciting. It's so good to spend this time with all of you. Jade, Nicole, thank you for coming into this process and sharing this time with us. Awoye, Dominique, thank y'all for, well, y'all were voluntold, but thank you. Thank you for another morning. It is always good to spend it with you. And thank you, listeners. Next week, Dominique will take the reins again to wrap up our children's arc. For more information on Alice Childress's plays, please visit our catalog at theclassics.org and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. This episode was produced by Classics. Our sound editor is Aubrey Dubay. The theme song was composed by Alfonso Horn. See you next week. <laughs>